Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. So today I'm going to talk about understanding and expressing faith. Look, it's right up there so you can read it as I just said it. How about that? Pretty amazing. Up and ready to go, Elena Stansfield. All right. So, like I said, I want to talk about faith. And when we sing that part, this is how I fight my battles, how do we do that? We do it by faith, right? We do it by faith. Because not all the times that you're feeling it, actually when you're in the battle, you don't necessarily feel like worshiping, do you? No. So this is how we fight our battles. We put on the garment of praise by faith, and we step into it. And it's interesting that it's, it's by faith that we put on that praise that actually breaks off the heaviness. Wow. You mean I have to step out in faith to break off the heaviness. A lot of times we think, I'll praise when the heaviness breaks. If you've been in the kingdom long enough, you know that's not how it works. So faith is a foundational truth that every believer needs to fully be established in. Everything that we do as a believer should be rooted in our faith. We are actually commanded to live by faith. Say live by faith. And that live is all-encompassing. It covers everything. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're walking, you're moving, how you handle yourself. Everything, live, is all-inclusive. So when we pray, it's by faith. When we respond in worship, it's by faith. When we lay hands on the sick, it's by faith. When we believe that we have the healing that God's provided for ourselves, it's by faith, right? And everything we do, when we hear and respond to the voice of God, it's by faith. And even when we love, it's by faith. Now, I won't recommend saying that to your wife. You know, I'm loving you by faith right now. But everything that we do, I said don't say it, right? All right? Actually, she's easy to love because she's, she's a good lady. All right. So um, I talked with my dad this weekend. Uh, next, next month, he's going to be preaching on healing, spirit, soul, and body. Are you excited for that? All right. So when we were talking, we kind of felt like my sermon could be laying the foundation of what faith is and kind of lay that foundation so that when he gets into it, it's already been covered and you can just jump right into, like, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but um, it's good to hear these things over and over and over again. Uh, in various places, the Bible compares the life of the believer to a construction of a building. In the natural, the first and most important feature of any building is the foundation. And a foundation must be level. It must have integrity and stability. And the strength of the building is dependent on the quality of the foundation. So there's a fixed relationship between the foundation and the building. 
So if there's an uneven foundation, what does that mean? A leaning building, right? If there's a faulty foundation, the building will lack longevity. And so faith is a foundational truth that must be understood and established within us as believers so that we can, so that that spiritual house that we're building is strong and built to last. So before I actually get into how faith comes and um, um, how faith is expressed, I want to kind of address a mindset that a lot of times we have on faith. And remember, faith is a foundation, so if it's not level, the building can be leaning. So I believe that this is a real faulty foundation when it comes to faith, and that is God is in need of motivation, and it's my faith that moves God. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So according to this verse, what was God's motivation? What was it? Love. And we know from John, 1 John 4.8 that God is love. So what motivated God to do what he did? What was his motivation? Love, which is him. So what motivates God? Himself. I mean, think about it, that we have so much power to get God to do something that he doesn't want to do. So what moves God himself? So God is not apathetic. He's not passive. He's actually passionate and enthusiastic towards those he loves. John 3, 16, for God so loved, which is what? Himself. What moved him? So God so loved the world that he gave. What did his love do? It caused him to step out in action, right? Are you following me? Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, which is our part, right, in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the cornerstone of our faith or the cornerstone truth of our faith is God loved, he gave, and we believed. So what came first? Himself. He motivated himself. And then our faith co-labored with what he was already doing. Do you see that? So here it is again. God was so moved by love, which is himself, God is not in need of motivation. What does this tell us about faith? That faith is our connection to what God is already active in. I'll say that again. Faith is our connection to what God is already active in. What does it say? God loved he gave, and then we believed. So God is not uninterested in your circumstances. I'm going to say that again. God is not uninterested in your circumstance. God is not apathetic in your troubles. Oh, he did it again. Right? God is not God is moving whether you realize it or not. How many of you have ever looked at your life and said, God was doing something even though I couldn't even see it? How many of you actually came to salvation that way? <laughs> right? So did your faith actually move God for that moment? No, he was already moving. He was already active in it. 
So like I'll say it again, faith is our connection to what God is already active in. Faith is about connection to what God has already done. How many of you believe by his stripes we are healed? All right. So our faith is connected to what he's already done, but it's also connected to what he's actively doing now. Our faith is what connects us to his reality and to his desire. Faith isn't about moving God. It's about co-laboring with him. I'll say that again. Faith is not about moving God. It's about co-laboring with what he's already doing and what he's already done. Like, and I'm sure pastor's going to get to this, so I'll steal a little thunder. You don't have to convince God to heal you. By his stripes, you are healed. He's already done it. Now, it's our faith that connects us to that reality. Does this make sense? I think that should have got a little bit more amen, so I know we're working up to it. All right. So I want to give a simple definition of what co-laboring is. His desire for and our faith too. What is co-laboring? If he desires it, then my faith is to partner with what he's already done. His desire for and our faith too. So our faith is aligning to his desire. Our faith is aligning to his plan, his heart, his love, his compassion, and his voice, right? So when God speaks, it takes faith to align with what he's saying. And this is why our perception of him is intertwined with our faith. If what were we to sing, God, you're good, right? If you don't believe he's good, then your faith will never align with what he's doing. If you believe that God has given you sickness, then your faith will never align to what he's already done and what he's already doing. Does this make sense? See, a lot of times we'll look at these scripture verses and say, look how their faith moved Jesus to do something, right? We've seen it before. But all those examples were based upon their perception of who Jesus was, right? The centurion, will you heal my servant boy? Uh, um, if, if, and they were trying to get Jesus to come, right? And then they just said, if you just say it, what are they saying? They knew his authority, so they perceived him correctly. So what did their faith align with? What he was already active in. What about the Canaanite woman? She perceived him as master. Listen, I didn't, I didn't come to heal, right, that group, right? I can't think, is it, well, the, what's that? So... All right, that's great. Thank you very much. All right. I wasn't going to go that deep into this, but, uh, but she perceived him as master. What about the woman with the issue of blood? Does anybody know where she came from? Anyways, all right. But what did she perceive him as? The Messiah. She said, if I could touch the hem of his garment, that's actually a prophecy from the Old Testament that healing would be on his wings. So what did her faith connect to? Who he was. Are you guys seeing this? See, a lot of times, I, I really believe, if we believe that, 
we think we have the power to get God to do something that we're very interested in. But faith is really just connecting and partnering with what he's already doing and what he's already done. When our revelation increases, our faith will grow and mature. So as we see him for who he is, guess what's going to happen? Our faith is going to get more and more connected with what he's doing. Amen. So what is biblical faith? Um, so I want to start out with how faith comes and how, or how we receive it. Romans 10, 17. I'm sure you've heard this scripture verse before. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's three consecutive stages on how we receive faith. Say three. three. So where does it begin? Well, faith originates in God's word. So what is the source of our faith? The word of God. We know that the word of God is not just page or letters on a page. We know that it's also the character, the nature, the counsel of God. So our faith begins in who God is. Can you see why it's so important to perceive him correctly? If you think God is angry with you, how much faith are you going to have? Not much because you'll think I deserve what I'm getting right now. Are you guys following me? Awesome. So true biblical faith can only be agreed with God's word. If you can't find it in God's word, or it's not a part of his nature, it's not faith. Faith is based solely on God's word. So the first stage is, or the, the origin of it is his word. The second is hearing the word. So we receive that by the spirit, our spirit, hearing God's voice, but we also hear it in our soul, just as I'm just as I'm preaching now, you have the opportunity for faith by what you're hearing. Make sense? So God's word does not immediately produce faith, but it starts with hearing. Hearing in this context is described as an attitude of awakened interest and attention, a sincere desire to receive and to understand the message presented. What does that tell us? Just because kids grow up in church and hear the word of God all the time does not mean that it will produce faith in them. Why? Because the hearing that it's talking about is receiving it with interest and desire and attention. So it's not just using one of your five senses to hear the voice of God. How many of you know that children can hear you but they don't hear you. And so sometimes we can be in an environment where God is speaking and we hear it, but we don't really hear it. That's why someone can come out of a service and their life be so changed and someone's like, well, that was boring. <laughs> All right. It's a combination of awareness that God is speaking and interest and desire. Remember that, that faith comes, or the origin of faith is God's word. So it's really important that we are aware that God is speaking. How many of you would probably said, if I just knew it was God, I would just do it, right? So what are you waiting on? You're waiting on knowing that it's based in his word. You're knowing that it's coming from him. 
But once we know that it's his word, then we can align our faith to it. Does that make sense? Awesome. For God's word to turn into faith, it cannot remain in the soul. His word must be rooted and established within our hearts for it to produce true biblical faith. So the first step is the origin, which is the word of God. The second step is hearing with interest. And the third step is getting it from our mind into our heart. So faith is established within the heart when we believe. So how many of you have heard a message before and you agree with it in your mind? But it hasn't quite yet gotten down to here. So what's the difference between mental acceptance of something and um, believing from the heart? A mental acceptance is an agreement without practical application. Mental acceptance is an agreement without practical application. This, I know I talk about this a lot, but I think it's a perfect example. How many of you can believe that it's good to eat right? You mentally agree with it. That's probably good to do that. Right? Meaning we mentally accept it, but it hasn't yet reached our heart, which actually produces action. Does this make total sense? So you could be in a service and hear something over and over and be like, amen, but it has no actual practical application in your life. That shows that I believe in my mind, but I, I haven't yet received it in my heart. Everybody can relate to the dieting one. I can believe it. It's great. It's that good for you, but it hasn't hit me yet. All right. And it, sometimes the bug gets there, but all right. Believing from the heart is action upon the truth that you hold. So mental acceptance of truth is not biblical faith. Truth that is held in the mind is knowledge, but it's not faith. So we might know a lot of things about God, but it might never be faith because it actually doesn't shift us into doing something or being transformed. Truth that resides in the heart is faith, which is expressed through believing, which is action. Actually, to believe is to step out or to do something with the truth that you have. Until truth penetrates a heart, there will be no faith and no fruit from that truth. This is why James could declare, faith without works is dead. It says, faith without works is dead. So when someone leaves this earth, what leaves? Their spirit leaves. So what is James saying? Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is like the spirit of God has left the body. Wow. Think about that. If I say I have faith but no works, what is that saying? I have a a knowledge of something, but there's no spirit interaction with what's actually happening. Good stuff. Good thing I'm preaching to the choir because, all right, so really quickly, well, I'm going to jump over something. Can you believe that? We're going to cut this down a little bit. 
But I was going to just review everything that I said, but I'll just do it quicker. So the first stage is it originates in God's word. The second is hearing, but it's not just hearing. It's hearing with interest and awareness that it's God. And the third is actually taking what's up here, taking what I've heard, and actually getting it into our heart. How do we know it's in our heart? Because we actually do something with it. All right. And the truth is, a lot of people can believe in God, but there's no transformation. Why is that? Because they have knowledge of it, but they don't have the faith to apply it. Make sense? So f- believing and acting upon what you hear is faith. Just really quickly, I know I am skipping over it. I could have gone in a little bit deeper, but... All this stuff, all this faith stuff, hearing and stuff, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? So when it says uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word, the word there is rhema, which is the living voice of God. So we can't boast in our faith. Look at how great my faith is. Yeah, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. And yes, you partnered with it, but we cannot do it on our own. It's funny, like, there, there would be times where I'd be, like, uh, working with someone and counseling them or giving them some wisdom, and they're just not getting it. And then one day, they're like, guess what? I had this amazing idea. <laughs> and you're like, thank you, Jesus. It took the Spirit of God for it to come alive. In the Scripture, it talks about quickening like we could, have you ever read, read a verse and you just didn't get anything out of it and you came back and you're like, whoa, it came alive. So faith is really a work of the Holy Spirit. So we can't boast in it. Come on. Look at how great my faith is. So there's three main expressions of faith. Remember how I said faith is an action upon the word of God. So it's not just a mental acceptance, but it's actually action. So there's three expressions of faith. So in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Even though I'm talking about three forms or three expressions of faith, the nature and character of faith always agrees with this definition given in Hebrews 11.1. 1. So faith can be expressed as a gift, say gift, can be expressed as a fruit. We're not into fruits, no, fruit. And it can be expressed as faith to live by. So I'm going to start by faith to live by, and then I'll continue with the rest. But Romans 1, 16 through 17 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Say revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So how do we go from faith to faith? What does it say here? I gave you a little hint when I told you to say it. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So faith to faith, what is two? What is that in between there? It's revelation. All right. 
So the truth of Christ and the gospel is revealed. The character and nature of God is revealed. His word coming alive through the Holy Spirit. Realities of the kingdom, heavenly perspectives. All these revelations are what matures and develops and grows our faith. But why is that? Because God is being revealed. Remember, I said earlier that our faith is really connected to our perception. So as he is revealed, guess what's going to happen? Our faith has actually more ground to then attach itself to what God is doing. So revelation is what is in between. For faith to mature, it requires revelation. Luke 17, 5. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. So what are they saying? Faith to faith, right? Increase our faith. And I love this because a lot of times we think increase our faith is so that I could say to this giant, be gone. Or we can say mount, to this mountain, go. But actually the context of this is increase our faith so that we consistently forgive those that sin against us. Faith to live by. <laughs> wow. Wow. So it's not about moving the mountain or signs and wonders, but increase our faith so that we can live righteously in community. If our brother or sister sins against us, we can forgive. Can we say increase our faith? <laughs> wow. I thought faith was so that I could get my house paid off. It's also to forgive those that sin against you. To love with purity. To love as Christ loves. This is the next verse, Luke 17, 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will be, obey you. So there's this interesting parallel between God for, God's forgiveness and ours. If you speak to this tree to be pulled up by its roots, what are they saying? Increase our faith. So what is it talking about? Speak to this tree of what? What is the tree? It's a tree of offense. It's a tree of distrust and of strife and of skepticism and bitterness. And what does it say? Plant that tree of strife, offense, bitterness. Where should you plant it? In the depths of the sea. Where what happens? There's no oxygen. It's dark. There's salt. What does that mean for that tree? It will die. Micah 7, 19. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. So do you see the parallel? Remember what I said. As Christ is revealed, as, thing, as revelation comes our faith grows. What is the revelation here in Micah? The revelation is God takes the sins that we have done and he casts it in the sea. What is Jesus telling his apostles and disciples? That offense that someone has, the sins that were against you, take those and cast them into the sea. See, if we don't have the revelation of God's love for us, we will demand we will demand a payback for the things that people have done for us, done towards us. But as he is revealed, 
Faith then increases. Does everybody follow me? Good stuff. So the just shall live by faith. What life is that talking about? It is the life that only can be supplied through faith in Jesus Christ. John 10.10. 10. The thief does not come except to kill or except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Full to overflowing. So what life are we living by? The life that he's actually provided for us. Good stuff. You know, in Scripture where it talks about that we're a peculiar people, a lot of times we think that means we're weird. But actually, if you look at the word, it actually means that you're easily recognizable, meaning you're marked. Marked by who? Him. Why are we peculiar? Because we're actually marked by him. So when it says the life that he's provided, what marks us? We're actually functioning in things that no one else outside of God can function in. All right. So how does this look practically in our daily lives? Well, in Colossians 3.16, let this message about Christ, what are we talking about as he is revealed, our faith will grow or it will mature. So let this message about Christ. So faith comes by hearing, but what does that hearing mean? It actually means with interest, with awareness. So what is, and in Colossians, it's saying, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. What is it saying? Meditate on it. Think on it. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal and open it up. So how, how does this look practically in our lives? You structure or you position your life in a way that connects to his reality. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives, spirit, soul, and body. My life becomes a reflection of his re reality. How? We identify with his reality by faith and faith by putting into action what we know to be true. So when he is revealed, then by faith, I put in, into action. I mean, when, you know, the love scripture verse, love is this, love is that. I mean, if we could just get through the first one, love is patient. <laughs> Maybe that's where I'm at because I have three kids. Love does not want to rip off their heads right now. Love doesn't want to have to say go to bed one more time. <laughs> Think about it. That's just the first one. <laughs> Love is, as he is revealed, I take that truth and then I put practice to it. Ay, ay, ay. Thank you, Father. 
Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it, what is it? It is faith. For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. So what is it saying? That they have revelation of things that aren't even seen. And by it, they're a testimony. What does that say? They're actually putting it into practice. Faith without works is dead. All right. So that was faith to live by. The next one is faith as a gift. How many of you like gifts? I know. That's why she gets to go wherever she wants. Say, yep, that's great. All right. You like gifts. But how many of you know that we have gifts given to us by our Father? And they're gifts of the Spirit. So there's three quick points that I want to make about the gifts of the Spirit. Which faith is a gift of the Spirit. So we just talked about faith to live by. Right? But then there's actually a faith that's actually a gift. Good stuff. I know, real simple, but I'll get there. They are given at the, so this is the first thing that I want to point out. They are given at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. In verse 11, this is in 1 Corinthians 12. It's not going to be up there, but I'm just telling you. This is for the people taking notes. All right, first. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, distributing each one individually as he wills. So the first thing is, they are given at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is, their purpose is for the manifestation of the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So the key word here is manifestation. The Holy Spirit who is invisible is made manifest to human senses where he is felt, heard, seen, and experienced. And the third thing I want to point out about the gifts of the Spirit is they are given to each one for the common good. I love this. You know the gift that I gave you? For everybody else. What, dis- what distinguishes the gift of faith from the other forms of faith or the other expressions of faith? The gift of faith is sovereign, supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit working through the believer. So we cannot work ourselves up to the gift of faith. We can't manufacture it. We can't be like, I'm going to work myself up to the gift of faith today. I'm going to drum it up. Praying tongues, drum it up. Gift means a thing given willfully to someone without payment. Come on. But how do we get the gifts? They're they're given at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are a portion of who God is. He is gifting a part of himself. Mark eleven twenty one through 22. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed 
has withered, withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. That also can be translated as have God's faith. He's a gifting, he is gifting a part of himself. This faith does not have its origins in man, but in God himself. Through the gift of faith, the Holy Spirit imparts a portion of who God is directly and supernaturally to the believer, just like the gift of prophecy or the gift of knowledge or wisdom. How many of you know that God is all-knowing? So when you get a word of knowledge, you just got a piece of it. When we prophesy, we know in part and we prophesy in part. So we're getting a piece of it. We are not capable of handling all knowledge and all wisdom. We don't have the capacity for it. So when we get a prophetic word or we get a word of knowledge or we get the gift of faith, we get a portion of who God is and it, and it, is, it is imparted to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. So when these gifts are in action, we receive a part of God's knowledge or a part of God's wisdom for a specific circumstance. God is gifting a part of who he is through the Holy Spirit as a gift to the believer, resulting in the believer functioning in faith that they could not manufacture on their own. Can you see the distinct difference between faith to live by and the gift of faith? So faith to live by is connecting to God's reality and then structuring your life in a way to testify of it. So faith to live by is, this is the reality that God has. And by faith, I position myself to then testify of it. Are you guys seeing that? Like when we say, God, you're good, by faith, I am then demonstrating that God is good. But faith as a gift or the gift of faith is a portion of God given to us for a specific moment and circumstance. It's a faith that we could not produce on our own. How many of you have ever received the gift of faith? Right? God says, step out in this, you do it, and you're like, whoa, I couldn't have done that. The, the Holy Spirit's leading us in this way, and God just, I mean, just the healing. You can't do that. But by, by the gift of faith, it's planted within us, it's given to us, and then we're a channel of a portion of who God is. Good stuff. So I want to talk about quantity or quality. Luke 17, 6. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed. So Jesus uses this example a couple times when he's describing or explaining the power of faith. We also know that Jesus continually confronted the disciples about the size of their faith and at times unbelief. So Jesus is already confronting them about their small faith, right? Oh, ye have little faith, right? And then he says, if you just have faith as a mustard seed. So is he saying, look at how little faith you guys have. If you just had one of a mustard seed, then... Do you think that's his heart? Could it be that he was referring to quality of the seed, not the size of the seed? If it was the quantity of the disciples' faith, they've already had little faith. 
A mustard seed of God, of the God kind of faith, or the gift of faith is sufficient to move a mountain or uproot a tree or walk in forgiveness. Are you guys seeing this? This is good. Sometimes we're trying to confront things by the faith that we live by. And what we need to do is tap in to the gift of faith. Are you guys following me? Seek the Spirit and ask for the gift of faith. When the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, the believer becomes, for a time, a channel of God's Spirit. Jesus did not calm every storm. He did not curse every fig tree. He did not raise every dead man. He left the initiative in the hands of the Father. Have you ever been in a scenario and God says, why don't you step out and do that? And you're like, I don't feel real comfortable about that right now. But what is he giving an opportunity for? A gift of faith. Come on, think about that. What's the first thing that happens when he tells us to step out? What, what comes up? Fear. But if we realize I'm now stepping into a place where I'm actually given something that I could have not drummed up on my own. Come on. As a gift of faith. Like if we see God's just trying to get me out of my comfort zone. He's actually, actually offering you a gift. It kind of puts a different spin on it, doesn't it? Well, God, I don't know. What if people think this? He's offering you a gift. Come on. John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the, fa the Father do, or whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Remember what I started out with. Faith is not getting God to move on your behalf. Faith is partnering what he's already done and what he's active in now. So when he tells you to step out and you're like, I don't know, what is he actually telling you? He's saying, I'm, I'm active in doing something right now. And if you step out, I'll gift you the gift of faith. Something that you could not even do on your own strength, I'm going to gift it to you. It's not by your wage, it's not by your effort, but if you step out, I'll gift it to you. Come on. The more that you think about it, fear is not a lovely thing. <laughs> fear is not good. I, I know a lot of times we'll, we'll look and we can say sin, is, and sin's not good. Sin's a horrible thing, but really fear? That. That can really uh, put you on a different course than what he's intended, for sure. Faith in all forms is centered around our connection to, to God, what he's active in and what he's already done. So the first one was faith to live by. The second one, and this isn't in, in a particular order. I mean, even though I had it in an order, it's not like, well, I got to get this one first and then, no. Okay, I'm just giving you the expressions of it. So the first one is faith to live by. The second one is faith as a gift. And the third one is faith as a fruit. How many of you like fruit? You're like, I like gifts a little bit more, but fruit, fruit's up there. 
Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So the Greek word for faith can be used in a little different, little different ways. The first way was what I've been kind of talking about. But the second way is uh, it can be used in dealing with faithfulness of someone. So basically the character of one who can be relied on. It also means fidelity, same as or equal to the original. Have you, I don't know if they still have them now, but um, uh, they would be, I don't know if they were CDs or if they were records, but they would say high fidelity. Do you remember that? This thing is high fidelity. What are they actually saying? This is as close to the original as we could get. That is what they're saying. Because what, when they would record things back then, their master, that was the pristine thing. But as they reproduced it, it lost a little bit of what it was. So as technology came out, they would put high fidelity. So what are they saying? Same as or equal to the original. So faithfulness actually means same as or equal to the original. As a believer, who is the original? Okay, this is question time. <laughs> Who's the original? God the Father, right? And Jesus was perfect fidelity. He wasn't high fidelity. fidelity. He was actually perfect fidelity. And you can find this in Hebrews 1.3. He is the perfect imprint and, and very image of God's nature. So what is that saying? When you look at Jesus, you're seeing the perfect imprint of the nature of God. So faithfulness in this context deals with our transformation into the image of Christ. So what's the difference between a gift and a fruit? Well, I'm going to explain it in this way. You know that there are some trees that bear gifts, right? They bear gifts? Christmas tree? Okay. I didn't know I had to explain that really. <laughs> didn't know I had to go there, Loretta, but they're like, she's like thinking, well... I guess a gift basket or a fruit basket could be a gift. I don't. So there's trees that bear gifts and there are trees that bear fruit. Trees that bear gifts. The gift is not a direct reflection of the tree. What is usually under the tree? Gifts, but there are trucks and there's playstations and there's dolls. But no one said, look at that doll tree. The gifts are not a, a direct reflection of the tree. The tree is just an avenue in which the gifts are presented. So when we're flowing in the gifts of the spirit, the gifts, we represent that tree. So the things that I'm offering like, prophecy or word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or the gift of faith, that's not revealing who I am. That's revealing who he is. Do you see the difference? The gifts tell us nothing about the nature of the tree. The gift does reveal something about the giver, not the tree. The gift should draw us closer to the giver. 
See, a lot of times people say, look at these gifts that I have. Come to me. Come to me. But it's really should be, they should draw them to him. This is why we, a lot of times we can say, look at how gifted that person was and look at the mess that they made. Right? The gifts don't reveal the nature of the tree. They reveal the nature of the giver. The gift giver. So the gifts of the Spirit are designed to reveal God's nature, not yours. The gifts are for the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? To reveal Him. So a tree that bears fruit, there's a direct connection between the fruit and the tree that which bears it. Matthew 7, 16, you will know them by their fruits. I will know Raymond by the fruits that he presents to me, not the gifts. I'll know him by the fruits. And the nature of the tree determines the nature of the fruit. Fruits only come as a result to growth and cultivation. A healthy tree produces healthy fruit. Have you ever just been around someone and just received so much life for them, life from them and some love or um, patience and kindness and joy? Have you ever been around someone and you just received that? What are you experiencing? The fruit of cultivation and connection. Gifts express the nature and character of God. Fruit express nature and character of the person as a result of their connection. This is really cool. The fruit of the Spirit is ninefold, and the gifts of the Spirit are ninefold, meaning that there's a perfect balance between the gifts of God and the fruit of God. One is not greater than the other. You know, you have people that will, will be like, you know, you really place the fruit up. We need to be people of character, which is true. I agree. 100%. And then people say, no, the gifts transform the world. And it's really both. You can have both. You can walk in the gifts and walk in the fruit. And you can walk in the fruit and walk in the gifts as well. All right. What, ex what expressions come from the fruit of faith? Faith, remember what I said, is the character of one who can be relied on. Synonyms of that would be trustfulness, unwavering, commitment, loyalty, reliability, devotion, dependability. These attributes or these fruits take time to cultivate, and cultivation requires connection. So faith in all forms is about connection. Faith is what connects us to his reality, and when we connect to his reality, we will be a testimony of it. Hebrews 11, 1 through 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. For by what? Their faith obtain a good report. So the elders became a physical expression, a physical manifestation of their faith. And one last example. An automobile can have several hundred horsepower. 
But if the car will, but the car will go nowhere until the clutch is released. So it is with our faith. We have all the power of heaven behind us, but it is our faith that connects us to what is available to our circumstance. Like we could sing, God, you could do anything. You can, you can do the impossible, but what connects us to the power of heaven? Our faith is what puts, puts uh, or releases the clutch. Faith takes what is available and makes it actual. Amen. Hallelujah. Like I said, today was really about laying a foundation, and I know I was kind of preaching to the choir a little bit, but uh, it's really important that we hear these things over and over again so that we can kind of align ourselves. And like I said before, that that whole mindset of God needs motivation to move on my behalf. Faith is just really partnering with what he's already doing and what he's already done. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just come before you, and Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we sang about it today, that you are good, and you're always good, God. And so, Lord, by faith, we align with your reality. By faith, we align with what you're saying over our circumstance. By faith, we align with what you say um, about our relational issues. By faith, we align to what you're doing and what you've already done. Lord, we just receive your presence right now, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's just take a moment and just hear what God is saying to you personally. to speak the peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, we just receive it now. Lord, we want to say what you say. We want to go where you go. Thank you, Father. Lord, we align ourselves by faith to your reality. And Lord, we release the power of heaven into our circumstance, into our situation. By faith. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I really felt to today how have you guys ever seen those old v8 commercials where someone's walking sideways and they're like oh you didn't have your v8 and i really felt like today was a good shot of biblical v8 <laughs> so some of us might have been walking a little crooked but i just felt like today was a, a real aligning of things so lord by your presence lord you calibrate us Lord, we just receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we have the...
The healing team come up.